Welcome to the Doctor's Sex Fairy Podcast. I am Dr. Kaval Bhava, America's favorite sex doctor, and I am here to transform your life. We often talk about erectile dysfunction or ED, which is the inability to get or maintain an erection sufficient for sexual intercourse. Today we are going to discuss a topic you have likely never thought about. Did you know that there is a major connection between erectile dysfunction and heart disease? In fact, men who suffer from erectile dysfunction are twice as likely to suffer from heart disease. According to the American College of Cardiology, erectile dysfunction and cardiovascular disease share certain risk factors. These include age, a sedentary lifestyle, obesity, smoking, high cholesterol, metabolic syndrome, high blood pressure, diabetes, and more. Studies have found that erectile dysfunction is an independent risk factor for cardiovascular disease. Men with ED are far more likely to develop coronary artery disease, peripheral arterial disease, and even stroke. It is very important that men take the symptoms of erectile dysfunction seriously because it often precedes heart disease by 2 to 5 years. I am joined on the Dr. Sex Fairy podcast today by Dr. Jyoti Mohanty, board certified interventional cardiologist who trained at Chicago's famous Cook County Hospital as well as Rush Presbyterian St. Luke's. He is vice chief of cardiology at Jupiter Medical Center. He has been in clinical practice in South Florida for over 20 years and his practice Advanced Cardiovascular Consultants has three offices located in North Palm Beach County. Needless to say, he has been around the block a few times. I am going to talk to Dr. Mohanty about the connection between ED and heart disease, the risk factors for both. And before we end our conversation, I will also talk to him about the little blue pill Viagra. So stick around till the end. Welcome Dr. Mohanty. Thank you for having me Dr. Baba on this um, podcast. It's a pleasure to uh, talk to you and uh, come up current on the topics. Thank you so much for coming. Our listeners definitely need this discussion. Yes, certainly it is a very hot topic and a lot of my patients they do ask these questions. We get a lot of cardiac clearance for uh, patients for ED and uh, other uh, medications. Great, let's launch right in. Let's start with the topic at hand, the connection between ED and heart disease. According to research, well over half the men diagnosed with heart disease have ED. How often do you see it in your patient population? We see a lot of patients with ED and actually ED has been uh, seen in even younger patients. So we have patients in the age group of uh, early 30s, uh, they can go into their 40s and definitely in the 50s, 60s and 70s. As you mentioned, ED seems to start surprisingly early in life. 30% of men in their 30s, 40% in their 40s and so on. About 10% for every decade of life. Now let's talk about age and the risk of heart disease. After the age of 45 in men, they tend to have increased risk of a cardiovascular incident whether it is high cholesterol, whether they have high blood pressure, whether they will have a heart attack or a stroke. These continue to increase with age and other risk factors will um participate and will make it even uh, worse I often tell my patients about the dangers of smoking when it comes to erectile function smoking also affects the risk of heart disease please tell our listeners about that smoking is actually by far the most uh, aggressive and the most important of all the risk factors in which i have seen in my practice 
only to be followed with diabetes or as close with the diabetes. Patients who are smokers tend to have everything from involvement of their entire vascular system, and they will have increased risk of heart attack, increased risk of stroke, they have peripheral arterial disease, they have chronic limb ischemia, means lack of blood flow to the um, legs, and have the highest risk of amputation. And if these patients also have diabetes or high blood pressure with them, they definitely will have a shorter lifespan compared to somebody who does not have this, these factors. So smoking, I would say, probably stands on the highest of all the parameters and cardiovascular disease. See, this is what I always tell them. I stand validated based on what you're telling us. Now let's talk about other risk factors for heart disease. The other risk factors for heart disease include, as I said, after smoking comes uh, diabetes and uh, high blood pressure, high cholesterol, age, being a male. Low testosterone is also part of this uh, syndrome and uh, also family history. These will make generally the most common um, risk factors for coronary artery disease or atherosclerosis in men or women. Both. Testosterone seems to be quite the important player here because it's also low in men who suffer from ED quite often. And of course, low testosterone is also an independent risk factor for heart disease. Absolutely. Very good point. So people think about as testosterone is a male boosting hormone, but with that, it comes with a lot of advantages, especially when young people tend to have a low testosterone. They are increased risk of both heart disease ischemic stroke, development of diabetes, high cholesterol. Testosterone really plays a very, very important role in maintaining a good homeostasis in the male. With low testosterone, you are going to develop something called metabolic syndrome, which will then in turn lead to more obesity, development of diabetes. You're also going to get into sleep apnea, high cholesterol, and increased risk of stroke and heart disease. When it comes to testosterone, maintenance of the testosterone level is extremely, extremely important. Yes, and I find that low testosterone levels are often the cause for ED in some of the younger men. That is correct. So the testosterone, uh, when it comes to ED, the most common age group you will find is the young patients starting at the age of 35 to 40 and then going further beyond. The correction or bringing the testosterone level to normal have been found more beneficial in younger patients compared to older patients. Studies done in Mayo Clinic and in Cleveland Clinic have shown that if testosterone therapy is given to older patients, they have very minimal cardiovascular benefits. But to younger patients, the benefit is immense, provided they are not using it for bodybuilding or as an anabolic steroid. So basically what you're telling us is that testosterone can actually be very preventative if taken at a young age, for the risk of heart disease? Absolutely. Patients who will have low testosterone at the age of 30 or 35, 40, 45, they need testosterone therapy for their normal body functioning, whether to keep the muscle mass, keep the cholesterol. And at a microvascular level, it works on endothelial uh, functions as well as the nerve function. And that's what basically leads to erectile dysfunction. Erectile dysfunction is a combination of neurological as well as vascular complications. Low testosterone plays a major role in these patients. 
because of endothelial dysfunction, which is the lining of the blood vessels and can lead to spasm and low blood flow, which then leads to erectile dysfunction. Low testosterone has also been found to be very important in the nerve conduction business. And any kind of neuropathy, etc., could lead to erectile dysfunction. You know, it's interesting you brought up endothelial dysfunction because when COVID happened, I saw a spike in patients coming in for erectile dysfunction. And coincidentally, I noticed that their ages were getting lower and lower. And it was found to be a case of endothelial dysfunction again that was being caused by COVID. And again, there was that testosterone link where men with lower testosterone were more likely to die of COVID. And also COVID was causing men who were coming in with normal testosterone to have levels that were plummeting. So that's another interesting point, isn't it, with COVID and testosterone and heart disease? Yes, that is a very um, good observation. I think you made and bringing that point up because a lot of my patients have a lot of questions regarding this. So in my clinical practice, I have definitely found that after COVID, there was a lot of increase in heart attack as well as blood clots in the lungs, blood clots in the legs, which is predominantly an endothelial dysfunction problem. Patients who tend to have low testosterone, they already have a problem with their endothelial dysfunction. As well, they can have spasm and low blood flow, low nitric oxide, and that will then lead to increase in clotting as well as increase in heart attack, increase in blood clots in the lungs called as pulmonary embolism and erectile dysfunctions. It is scientifically proven that this is what is the real reason why these patients are coming with the problem. Yes. And, you know, initially when it started happening, I asked myself, am I imagining this? And then I thought, no, I'm not imagining this. They are getting younger and more and more are complaining of it. And worse ED in the ones who already had it. So it was definitely cause and effect. There was no denying it. And when the studies came, I said, hallelujah, there it is. So at least then I had some numbers to tell my patients. Now, certain blood pressure medications can also cause ED. And I see this most often with beta blockers, particularly metoprolol. What are your thoughts about this? Metoprolol has been a drug of choice for high blood pressure, for heart failure, um, even tremors, etc. for quite some time, from the late 60s and all. But being a beta blocker, it's blocking the adrenaline, plays a major role in bringing down both the libido as well as the, the performance. And uh, erectile dysfunction is very common in uh, patients with beta blockers, especially in younger patients. And if the younger patients tend to have a low testosterone, the starting them on a beta blocker could be devastating for their erectile dysfunction and can um, lead to a lot more of uh, depression as well as um, other psychosomatic uh, problems. When I do my histories with my patients, and I do a pretty thorough history, Sometimes they get irritated. They say, why do I have to answer all these questions? And I say, because it matters. I really need to get to the basis, to the very reason why you have ED. And sometimes we can find simple fixes. Not always, but sometimes we get lucky. And when I mention metoprolol, they say, okay, I'm stopping that today. And I say, no, 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 you're going to talk to your cardiologist. And many times they say to me, well, I don't see a cardiologist. And when I ask them, have you ever seen one? They say, no, I go to my family doctor. And I have to tell them, seriously, I have to tell them, your family doctor is great, but a cardiologist is a specialist in this. You have got to see a cardiologist. 
I agree with that completely, especially patients who have uh, no testosterone and patients who are on beta blockers. They may be taking the beta blocker for um, heart arrhythmia. They may be taking for high blood pressure and maybe even a post-heart attack. And abruptly stopping the beta blockers can definitely cause uh, some serious problem. It should be done just not by themselves, but in with instruction with your primary care physician or uh, taking the advantage of a cardiology consultation. But again, the low testosterone plays a major role in these patients. And because their sex life and ED seems to be the priority, uh, they tend to uh, miss about the medication and they would rather not take that medication and take a chance um, and to have a better um, sex life as well as uh, better performance in the bedroom. Words of wisdom right there. Now, before we get into Viagra and Cialis and that whole story, Let's talk about the current recommendations for cardiac screening. That is, again, a very good question. And uh, cardiac screening should begin at a very, very early age. Initially, when I was in my training, they used to do screening at the age of 50, 55. That has now dropped down. As per the American College of Cardiology guidelines, we do cardiac screening for patients at the age of 39 and above. These numbers will continue to come down as we are finding more and more patients especially post-COVID, has changed a lot of things. Patients are coming with low testosterone. They are coming with high cholesterol. They are coming with things like blood clot and strokes. So the screening age will certainly continue to go down. And I would start screening patients as early as 30 years of age for both low testosterone, cholesterol, coronary calcium scoring. And those who are high-risk patients, whether they are diabetics or they are smokers or they have strong family history, or they have other risk factors, they should be aggressively screened um, as far as risk for cardiovascular disease, peripheral arterial disease that should be performed um, at an early age. What about stress tests in particular? So current guidelines say that if you are the, the age of 39 or above, first thing they would screen is your cholesterol. And if your cholesterol, which is the bad cholesterol, LDL, is on the high side, means it is running more than 100 250. At that point, we recommend something called a coronary calcium score. A coronary calcium score is a non-invasive test which is done with a CAT scan and they actually take into account the amount of calcium built up in your coronary arteries or the arteries around the heart. If the scores are high, which are graded between a 0 to 100, 100 to 399 and 400 and above, in those patients, different guidelines are set to be done. If their calcium scores are very high, aggressive control of the cholesterol with statins is recommended. Otherwise, if their cholesterol is normal or is on the low side, then we do a coronary calcium score. And based on the calcium scores, we again recommend whether to treat with lifestyle modifications or not. Those who have a high coronary calcium scores, those they can be then referred for a stress test, whether it is an exercise stress test or a nuclear stress test, that seems to be the common trend uh, to do some preliminary screening. And then based on the symptoms, they would need further invasive workup. Cardiac CT is a very nice non-invasive way. And if you have a low coronary calcium score, cardiac CT in a young person under the age of 60, 65 is a good testing. Once they are above the age of 60 or 65, the natural build of calcium in the coronary arteries is higher. So you may get a false positive with the 
um, coronary CT in those patients. If they have symptoms, consider doing a nuclear stress test. Or if they are really symptomatic with multiple risk factors, then go for a coronary angiography, which remains to be the gold standard. Now, in patients with cardiac disease and blockages, cardiac stenting and cardiac cats can be so invasive but so necessary. However, with patients with ED, sometimes we are so lucky to catch them on the earlier end of it that with shockwave therapy, which is completely painless despite that scary name, we can have such great results chipping away at those blockages, at those plaques, that men can often restore excellent blood flow with that. That is correct. I think that is a very new uh, non-invasive way of treating ED in many patients where especially atherosclerosis of the pudendal artery has been noted. And in those patients, if they have calcification, they are diabetics with low testosterone and they have early ED, shockwave therapy is very good. Shockwave therapy, we also do it for coronary arteries. Uh, when the artery has got a lot of calcium and when you are unable to deliver a stent, we use these um, shockwave balloons we put inside the coronary artery, break the calcium, and then we are able to successfully put in a balloon or a stent. Isn't that interesting? Except you do it a little differently than I do it. That is correct. Yeah, you you do it a little bit, not less invasive. We do it very invasive. Yes, and uh, it's such a great adjunct to what I do because I have so many men coming for erectile dysfunction from all over the world. And I think that this is such a great non-invasive way that helps function, it helps blood flow. It's just a really, really great tool that I have. And so many men around the world, millions are taking the little blue pill Viagra. And millions also take medications like Cialis. And while these medications can help men, they don't actually solve the problem. But with shockwave therapy, we can often solve at least the structural problem with plaques. And given the fact that the number one cause of ED is blockages, these medications don't help with that at all. They're simply dilating the blood vessel so that more blood can flow around the blockage. Both Viagra and Cialis come with risks. Yes, absolutely. These pills, as you said correctly, that the basic problem with the ED is an obstructive blockage in the pudendal artery, which then leads to the problem. By using these medications, we are just temporarily increasing the flow but the blockage where it is, the flow does not really improve. So you may see a very temporary release uh, and uh, of the spasm or increase in the blood flow, but it would not be a permanent solution for that. And number two, these patients can be on some other heart medications and taking these drugs can cause an abrupt lowering of your blood pressure and is a black box warning for patients who are on nitrates because literally it can kill them uh, while performing. You want to know something interesting? I have seen this during my ER career. Men would come in literally having had MIs during sex because they would be on these medications, Viagra, Cialis, whichever one. And, you know, if they want to sue me, they can sue me. It'll just make me more famous. The reality is what it is. That is a very good observation you made. And these drugs are very temporary solutions. Uh, especially older patients uh, like to uh, take it because, but the older patients are also the patients who have coronary artery disease and they are on multiple medications. So interaction with these medications tends to be sometimes very serious side effects and sometimes even fatal side effects can happen. So cautious use of these medications in older patients, 
Same for the younger patients, they need to get to the bottom of the problem, whether it is related to low testosterone or actual blockage of the arteries, um, which should be treated first rather than just trying these uh, medications. Yes, and in fact, I have a nitric oxide booster as part of the Dr. Sex Very line of supplements. I also have a testosterone booster because I feel that these are so imperative to good erectile function. You have to have good blood flow with the nitric oxide, and you have to have good testosterone levels. And we do regular hormone therapy with creams and shots and everything, but some men don't want to be on that. They want to improve their levels naturally. So at least now we also have that option available for them. Yes. For a good performance of an engine, just like you need a good oil, the good filter, in case of a good performance for men (laughs) in the bedroom, you need all these, including a good testosterone level and clean pipes and no blockages. Absolutely. So Dr. Mohanty, coming back to testosterone, it's really getting a bad reputation nowadays from you know, the anti-hormone lobby saying, oh, this is terrible. This is actually not good. It's not natural. It's got so many side effects. What do you have to say to that? That is one of the most interesting questions in through this meeting, the bad propaganda on testosterone. But testosterone, if it is a bad hormone, we would not have had it in our body. We need testosterone for normal functioning, especially for young men. It is very, very important, not only for sex, but also for muscle building, clean thinking, focusing, good night sleep, lack of these hormones would lead them to something called andropause, very similar to females called menopause. So henceforth, the role of testosterone remains very controversial. Patients who tend to have normal testosterone and they are using it to bump up their testosterone so that they can do more muscle building and they can do better in the sex is something which we do not encourage because those are the patients who will have the side effect from the testosterone, having increased risk of stroke, heart attack, etc. Those patients who tend to have low testosterone and they are younger patients, they actually do the most benefit. For those patients, having a testosterone level normal in the range of 500 to 700 up to 800 makes them think clearly, focus performance in every which way, as well as muscle building, but without increasing the risk of stroke and heart attack. This has all been clinically studied, as well as uh, many papers and research articles have come out on it. So the bottom line is use testosterone therapy and boosters for patients who are young and they have low T levels and they want to get into a normal homeostasis for their body. Avoid using testosterone in older patients and patients who have normal testosterone for bodybuilding, anabolic steroid purposes, or to enhance their sex drive. I do not recommend in those patients. And those are the ones will, who will have the side effects and then will ultimately bring in bad propaganda. I am using testosterone in a lot of men. And I am using it in some older men. But of course, I am monitoring their levels very closely and I'm not over-medicating them. A big problem I'm noticing is that all these websites have come up where they don't even know who they're talking to and they have no real doctor associated with the website. It's just a corporation. And I think a lot of damage is being done by these websites because they're not really monitoring these patients like they should. A little bit of testosterone can go a long way. Um, Absolutely. I 100% agree to 
there are many of these companies who have started testosterone therapy as they see it is a big market. So they are using testosterone therapy for any kind of patient who walks in and they say they have testosterone is low or they feel low normal, they feel low uh, energy. And without a real supervision of a physician, we've been administered by many uh, allied healthcare uh, professionals. And sometimes they don't even follow the levels. And very interestingly, since you brought that up, I actually have few patients who have gone to these uh, clinics and I'm not going to name any. They actually had frank heart attack and cardiac arrest. We had to revive them, clean the clot out of their uh, blood vessels. And some of them even needed stents, etc. But they made it. And purely by the fact that they were doing testosterone therapy completely unsupervised in these places, which finally led to the problem. So you need to have a good physician who knows what they are doing. They're checking their blood levels very closely. They're not very aggressive on, on the treatment and uh, prevent a catastrophic outcome like that, which I have experienced many times in my practice. It's really sad because testosterone is not the enemy. I think substandard medical care is. So I think testosterone, Absolutely. you know, testosterone is a good thing. That's why, like you said, we have it. But thank you so much for this discussion and for taking time out of your busy day. You're in your office right now and I'm at mine. So thank you for doing this for us and our listeners. And how can people find you for cardiac consultations? People can definitely find it uh, through our website. It's Advanced Cardiovascular Consultants. And we have three offices in the North uh, County of uh, Palm Beach and West Palm, Palm Beach Gardens and Jupiter. We have a very nice website. They can go in there. We have a patient pop-up also where they can sign up and can get appointments. Thank you so much once mm -hmm. again for coming. This has been such a great conversation. Thank you for having me on the podcast. And to my listeners, I am sure you learned so much from Dr. Mahanti today. I am definitely going to invite him back on the podcast. So make sure you submit your questions to me. You can always email them to askme at drsexfairy. Com. So let's just end with this idea. If your penis isn't working very well, think about your heart first. Until next time. I hope you enjoyed the Dr. Sex Fairy podcast today. I would love to continue this conversation with you. If you would like to get in touch with me, email me at askme at drsexfairy.com. Don't forget to follow this podcast and leave me a five-star review. And make sure you follow my blockbuster hit TikTok account, Dr. Sex Fairy.